Welcome to the Nature Reliance Podcast, where we explore the history and practical experience of the great outdoors and discover new ways to connect with nature. I'm Craig Cottle, your guide through the fascinating world of natural living and survival skills through experiential education and interviews. Today's episode is brought to you by the Nature Reliance School Online Membership, an immersive online learning experience designed for outdoor enthusiasts just like you. Are you passionate about the outdoors? Do you crave more knowledge about disaster readiness, wilderness survival, bushcraft, tracking, and nature awareness? If so, the Nature Reliance School online membership is your gateway to a community of like-minded individuals, all dedicated to learning and sharing essential outdoor skills. With the Nature Reliance School online membership, you get exclusive access to a wealth of resources, including expert-led tutorials, interactive webinars, and a library of engaging courses, downloadable books, and documents. Whether you're a beginner or an experienced outdoorsman, there's always something new to learn. So don't wait. Click on the link below to join the Nature Reliance School online membership today. Embrace the wilderness, enhance your skills, and become part of a community that values nature as much as you do. Now, let's dive into today's episode. This episode of Nature Reliance Media Podcast is brought to you in part by Titan Survival. Titan Survival is a family-owned business with products that are trusted and used by military personnel and outdoor enthusiasts around the world. The company was started in 2012 with an innovation in paracord construction. They have since expanded their line of products to include, among other things, emergency sleeping bags, survival steel, mylar survival blankets, survival cord keychains, and much more. If you wish to support these Nature Reliance Media Podcasts, you can do so by ordering products from a proud American veteran-owned company, Titan Survival, and be assured by their lifetime guarantee on all their Titan Survival products. Just follow the link provided in the notes. Hey there, and welcome to another Nature Reliance Media Podcast. You've got two jokers in here today. I'm Craig Cottle, and I am Tracy Trimble. We are going to rock this out today, you all. We've had the most fun, enjoyable weather over the last few days here in Kentucky. We went from springtime, let's maybe wear a pair of shorts, to, oh my goodness, it's cold. And, yeah, cold for everybody. That's what most people say is cold. I say code, but... We're going to be getting into something we get questions on a lot, both in our classes as well as anybody and everybody hits Tracy and myself up about trying to get information about how to get a better night's sleep when you're in the outdoors, particularly as it relates to cold nights, because that's where we are now here in Kentucky. So what we're going to be doing is we've got one heck of a list that Tracy's put together of different things that we have both experienced or studied on or researched. And we're going to be sharing some personal stories from all of this. So what we're going to do is just break each one of these down, keep it simple so that you can apply these directly into what it is that you do outside. And that way you can stay warmer and enjoy yourself. What do you say you get us started, Mr. Trimble? Before we get started in the list, I personally love to hike in the cold. Oh man, me too. Yeah, winter hiking is just a blast. It might be because there's just not a lot of people out there, but um, but here's <laughs> but, but here's a stardust uh, list here. The first thing I would say, it is easy in the summertime in hot weather to keep your mind oriented to staying hydrated, and not so much in the wintertime. So the first topic I'd like to talk about is staying hydrated. You know, your body functions in the wintertime just like it does in the summer, so your fluids that you need remains there, whether it's cold outside or, or warm outside. So you must be able to keep your mind associated with staying hydrated. Yeah, I think one of the big things that will help with this is just having some sort of mental note. Typically what I do is I have uh, I try to pay attention to the time, and whenever I recognize that I'm close to the hour, I'll at least give thought to whether I've been drinking or not. And actually, I check my situational awareness and two or three other things that I go through on a checklist in my, in my head when I'm out in, in situations and weather that it's going to be uncomfortable. So 
that's one way to do it because we have a tendency in colder weather to go long periods of time without water because we don't have that same desire for thirst. In summertime, I don't know, it's just common for everybody to think, hey, I need to get a lot of water in. But it is imperative that we stay hydrated so that we can stay warmer. Do whatever it takes for you, whether it's a, a checklist in your mind every hour or every time you see something, it just clicks in your mind, hey, I'm going to drink water right now, then then go about doing that so that you can stay hydrated in the wintertime. Yeah, I think we have a built-in reminder in the summertime. It's usually that sweat dripping off the tip of our nose or something like that. It kind of reminds us to, to stay hydrated, which leads us into our next point. In the summertime, whenever we sweat, our shirt stays wet and we have the um, evaporation of the sweat and it helps uh, somewhat cool us down. Well, you perspire in the wintertime as well. And a lot of people will break sweat on hikes, right? One of the best things you can do to keep from doing that is leave your campsite or leave your car a little chilled. So don't start your, yeah, don't start your hike wrapped up. One thing I do, most of the uh, gear nowadays has uh, vent zips on them, uh, armpit zips and that kind of stuff is I open all those up. And whenever I step out and leave that vehicle, I'm a little chilled because I know Mm -hmm. I'm going to warm up. So that's that's one thing to help maintain some water in your body is not sweat. Don't break that sweat in the cold. Man, I did this. I did this last weekend, this past weekend during a deer hunting. And so I walk into the area that I hunt and I, I go to the location with my dad typically. So he so that he does not have to walk very far to where he hunts. I walk pretty far to where I hunt. And when I get out of the truck, I'm actually cold. I want to be cold and I have the stuff that I'm going to put on to keep me warm uh, in my pack. And I just carry it to a deer stand with me. Even by the time I get there walking, I'm not, I'm not sweating, but I'm not cold anymore either because I've got that body heat that's warmed me up as I walked in. That's, that's a fantastic suggestion right there. One of the things that Tracy picked out of the research is that listen to this number, y'all, this is really cool. People feel about 40% less thirsty in the wintertime. So basically your need for water, your basically your emotional mindset, the way you feel about it is going to be a lot less in the mood for taking in water. It's almost like you have to force yourself. And because we don't feel that need for thirst or we don't feel that need to drink, then we don't drink. And so we, in essence, have to force ourselves to be able to do that. And we know, as Tracy's going to tell us, that your body is going to function better when it's hydrated. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we deal with this in the summer all the time. You get out and you get dehydrated. You're going to make not as good as judgment as you would if your body is functioning at 100%. Well, that same effect is going to happen in the wintertime. And that's the worst thing you want if you're having, if you're, if you find yourself in a situation in the wintertime where you have to make good judgment, you don't want to be dehydrated. You make poor judgment and then everything just keeps uh, snowballing. I'll throw snowballing in there since we're talking about winter. (laughs) <laughs> no joke man hey do you remember that time in, in that scout tracker class where roger brad got so cold he, i mean he was he was uh hypothermic yeah he was shivering one of the things that came out of that is i remember chatting with him talking to him at the time he was cold and he and he was trying to tough it out but he was not making good sound decisions at all and it's one of those things where you have this loss of judgment and then if you're recognizing that in your hiking partners or in your hunting partners or your survival situation, then you've got to start taking the steps necessary to fix yourself. It's interesting. It's interesting. And then if you're not used to it, then it's something that you need to pay attention to. If you have that question like, what in the, I mean, let's, let's think about it as me and Tracy and me and Tracy are out and, and Tracy goes, what in the heck is Craig doing? Why is he doing that? Or why is he saying that? then you need to pay attention to that because Craig's probably going hypothermic or something of that nature. And <laughs> yeah. It's severely cold weather. So think about that as you're going out and keep that in mind. Cause it's not easy to tell sometimes who's up. Is it, is it me? Let's both do this one. Body is mostly water. Cause you talk about this all the time. So I'll introduce it and you can finish it up. Uh, your body is mostly water. And whenever you go below what your body normally has to have to function, there are certain things that happens to your body. Tell us what those things are. Well, in essence, what you've got to do is you got to make sure that your organs are functioning properly, and they cannot do that if you're not hydrated. Your heart's going to be deprived of fluid, and 
it's going to have to pump harder just to circulate the blood throughout the body. Because of that, it's going to set you up for a deficit inside your body for keeping warm. And this is problematic for your organs. Anytime your organs, and we just don't think about this, we, we think about our stomach, what we take in, what we digest, food, and, and we'll get into some of that considerations later. But we just don't think about the normal operating procedure for our organs as we're doing anything in life, typically, or most of us don't. And so if our organs are hydrated, then they work properly. And when they don't, they don't. When that happens and your organs are not working properly, they have to restrict blood flow to get the blood that they need. And when that happens, your fingers and your toes get cold. Because of that, it's something simple that you could warm up your organs. We do a rub with two hands right on our belly, and that helps warm your organs up or at least trick your organs into realizing that they're warming up. And when that happens, it lets go of the restriction on the blood flow. And because of that, your fingers and toes will warm up. So, yeah, so easily to assist your body is to stay stay hydrated. One thing that will keep people from drinking at night, especially, is that they don't want to get up and have to use the bathroom. Yeah, me too. You know, there's nothing like having that sleeping bag all warm and then having that sensation of using the bathroom and having to get up and break that seal on that sleeping bag. But I think we'll talk about that a little bit later down the list. Does that cover everything for dehydration? Yeah, I think that's good for hydration, dude. You want to get into this other stuff? The next topic is I titled layer down and don't layer up when going to bed. And we have this conversation all the time, don't we? Any class that we've ever had where we've had cold nights for the students to sleep, one thing that we do at every class is whenever everyone, everyone gets up and gets situated and gather around, we always do a lessons learned around Robin. What went well and what went wrong and how can you improve your sleep setup? try to pass around as much information as we can and everyone learns a little bit. We always have one or two people say, well, I slept cold. And Craig says, you know, you have to layer down and take your clothes off to get inside your sleeping bag and they don't believe it. They'll end up doing it. And then they get up the next morning and say, I slept much warmer. So you have to layer down and don't layer up. I'll let you take off on that, Craig. Well, I mean, it comes, it's good for when you're going to bed for sure. The more clothes you have on, there's two major problems with that. And that is just the function of it. Tracy's going to cover some other things here, but just the function of it. Two things that are important to understand is one is your sleeping bag is designed to keep you warm. And some clothes are okay at keeping you warm and some of them are not. And so when you get in a sleeping bag with a lot of clothes on, the body heat that you take in there with you, is the only heater that you carry around with you. Therefore, you've got to set that body up for success. Meaning, if it has to heat up five layers of clothes before that heat ever gets to the sleeping bag, then your body's working overtime to get you get yourself warm, and that's a problem. The second thing that is problematic is that the more clothes that you wear when you get in a sleeping bag, the more it compresses your skin and your blood vessels and your arteries and blood does not flow through your body properly. And so the looser you can be inside the sleeping bag, as far as clothes are concerned, then the better the blood flow is going to happen. And when your blood flows properly, then you stay warm and your body is body heat is regulated more properly. And that way, those two things have to be considered when getting that sleeping bag. And that's why Tracy's saying layer down rather than layering up. And that's a real fantastic way to look at it and consider it. So, yeah. I think one thing that occurs with not taking your clothes off at the end of the day is that no matter what you do, your clothes are going to be at at least a little bit damp from sweating and that kind of stuff. Even if you stand around a fire and your your pants get warm and your socks get warm, they still are going to have a little bit of dampness. And that dampness is a killer at night. Now, one thing that I do, especially if it's a really cold night, I'm talking maybe under 15 degrees, is whenever I'm packing up is I will put a pair of wool socks, and and I'm talking about wool socks that are basically worn out. They won't stay up on your calves or anything. They're just real floppy. I will put those inside my sleeping bag while I'm packing, and I may even do a pair of really loose long john bottoms. And I leave those inside my sleeping bag. So I'm guaranteed for those to be 
dry at night. Very, very, very loose, and they will help me um, help me stay warm at night. Everyone has their little body positions and and uh, issues at night. My issue is my feet, and my feet stay cold. So those wool socks really, really help me out. But if you're going to wear clothes, if you make sure they are very specific and dry and loose. Well, I'd like to add to that too is that every night after, or every morning after you get done, you need to dry that stuff out too. To go back and build up on what Tracy's saying is that it needs to be dry when you put it on. And not all of us are going out there and spending just one night. We are going to spend multiple nights. And so when you get an opportunity, you need to dry out a couple things, any of the clothes that you might wear when you're in there. And again, wear loose fitting clothing, nothing that fits tight, not at all. And your sleeping bag. Very Tracy much. said something a minute ago that was spot on that everybody needs to pay attention to. And that is you are putting off moisture off your body all the time. Summer, winter, spring, fall, whatever. It doesn't matter. You're putting moisture off whether you can feel it like you do in the summertime or not. Okay. Because of that, your sleeping bag is going to have a lot of moisture in it. And if you, what, like one of the things that I do first thing in the morning is I, when I'm getting up and out, the first thing I do is I turn my sleeping bag inside out so it can start to dry out immediately. That way, the next night when I climb into it, it's going to be dry as possibly can. Same thing's true about these clothes. Hang them up, turn your socks inside out, hang them up, let them dry. When they get dry, put them back in that sleeping bag. Uh, you know, back on my backpacking days, I would take those clothes if it wasn't raining or snowing or something of that nature. And I'd hang that stuff off the back of my backpack, the socks that is, so that I had warm socks to slide into when I get in my sleeping bag at night. And that way, you know, I'm assured of having that good start to a dry night. Yeah. Just to add to that, it, whenever you get your camp set up for the night and then you usually retire and eat and drink a little bit around the campfire, whenever I set my camp up, I will take my sleeping bag instead of having it, um, set up correctly, I will turn it uh, inside out as well. And that just helps continue to let it air dry uh, for that purpose. So very good uh, ideals there. Here's um, here's an issue that is specific for me. And I don't think you suffer from this, do you, Craig? Claustrophobic? I don't. I don't have the issues that you do. Yeah, I do. do. I cannot. There is no way that I can take a sleeping bag and zip it up to my head to my neck or especially to my head. I, I just can't do it. One thing that I have to carry that probably a lot of people don't have to is um, I usually carry a, um, a little jungle blanket. And what I do is I zip my sleeping bag. Most of the time I can get by to my chest. As long hey man, as which my, one do you use lately? What are you been, which one you've been using lately? I've got three or four of them, to be honest with you. I just grab one. Name them off there so people know what they are. Probably the number one I take with me is a little snug pack jungle blanket. Uh, I think I have two of those uh, that I carry with me, and I and I have a couple others that I'll, I'll throw in there occasionally. But for that sleeping bag, I'll zip it up. Uh, usually, usually the best I can do, like I said, is is about my chest. Uh, most of the time, it's around my waist, and I'll cram that jungle blanket inside the sleeping bag from about my knees up. And that allows me plenty of room to move, but also be able to maintain some heat. So, yeah, in cold weather, I struggle with zipping that sleeping bag up. Yeah, and I think a lot of people do. I mean, if I don't have to, I don't either. I mean, I, I like to take a blanket like this last class that we had. I can't remember what it was, survival. Yeah, it got really cold the first night. But I've been reviewing and testing a couple of different blankets. This one's from Swagman. It's a Swagman roll. And it worked exceptionally well, but that's how I tried it. I slept on top of my sleeping bag and it got down to 20 something early or me early low twenties. And I just had that blanket on top of me that worked out exceptionally well. Real, and it's, you know, it's comfortable. So I like it that way. I guess moving on, uh, we need to get into our noggins, right? How do we protect our head? <laughs> well, and again, this is kind of specific to me. I don't have a lot of insulation directly on top of my head. A lot of my hair has uh, left me, so yes, I have to. I have to cover up my head. You can do, either do that with a carry a beanie or something like that. Now, again, going back to those socks and stuff, carry something that you don't wear during the day because it's going to be wet, damp, and all that kind of stuff. So, carry a beanie. Sometimes and most often, I'll have a little 
uh, you know, the shimog type um, garments with me. And a lot of times I'll use that just to wrap my head and face and everything. I can put one layer over my face and it doesn't seem to bother me too bad. And um, Dude, I've got to, I've got to make a plug for a company that I don't have anything other than their beanie. Mm-hmm. And that is war bonnet. I had a war bonnet hammock that I was reviewing for a while and ended up passing it on to a, one of the nature Reliance school students. Uh, when I got that hammock, I asked them to send me one of their beanies and dude, it is such a cheapest looking little hat. And that is like a little thermal blanket for my noggin. I love that thing. And that's all I use it for. I keep it just for the purpose of sleeping in super loose, but it doesn't fall off my head for some reason. I don't know why. And it does. And I've gotten to where I pull it down over my eyes and my ears. So I'm, you know, not hearing every single wake up in the middle of the night sound of a coon walking underneath my hammock and stuff of that nature. Absolutely. But like a couple of nights ago, I mean, a couple of classes ago, we had a class that was full moon and nobody had their tarps on because it was a beautiful night. And people got up the next day during lessons learned that Tracy was mentioned earlier. It's like, I couldn't sleep because the moon was shining in my eyes all night long. (laughs) So I had, uh, I had my little beanie on. So yeah, multiple uses there. One thing I like about the Shemag is I can pull it down up underneath my chin and, and, and somewhat tie it, you know, not, not real tight, but, uh, I'm a tosser turner. I flip. You look like somebody off the, off the little, little house on the prairie when you do that. (laughs) But I flip and flop so much, you know, my wife gets after me all the time. I just, you know, left side, right side, left side, right side. But having that beanie, a couple of turns, it, it usually falls off. And, you know, then in the middle of the night, I'm trying to find it. And with that shimog, I'm going to kind of bring it around and tie it just a little bit. And it kind of stays tie, uh, stays better on my head. So a couple of different options. But, yeah, you need to protect your head. You'll lose a lot of body heat, that head sticking out in the cold. Um, Ground pads. Yeah. Critical, 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 critical. I, I I wrote about this in my second book, Ultimate Wilderness Gear, and and I will I will take this to the grave with me as far as my belief in this. If you've got a set budget and you're going to be able to spend some extra money on either a sleeping bag or a sleeping pad, I would spend it on the sleeping pad. I would get as an expensive pad that I could afford that was insulated. Because that insulation from the ground is absolutely positively key Well, if you're sleeping on the ground. If you're sleeping in the air in a hammock, you've got to have something that's going to insulate your back from the air that's directly underneath of the hammock, whether that's a pad or a uh, underquilt. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I think the key here is having some sort of something that insulates you and it insulates you well. And they make pads now with all different types of R value that are fantastic because basically, you know, your heat is going to conduct away from your body and cold air or cold temperature is going to conduct through the pad itself. If it's insulated, it helps to stop that process. And so that conduction process, just understanding a little bit of eighth grade science is going to be vital to uh, choosing the right pad. Yeah. I think the pad is, is absolutely critical. I'll echo that for you. For the uh, hammock, I've been using the climate hammock five that's what i've been using the last year or so and i've used it a bunch this fall and it's worked exceptionally well it is not an insulated pad even it's climate does make pads that have insulation in them but that has worked really really well i've been very pleased with my climate pad just again to get that break the thing that sets a climate hammock pad apart from the others is it has wings on it so when you roll to your side if you have a hammock that's asymmetrical where you can lay on your side and it's still flat, then uh, it has wings so that your shoulders and your knees still are on a pad and they don't fall off easily. So it's fantastic. You know, it's real important to think about, I mean, we've talked about conduction, but we've got to understand evaporation, radiation, conduction, and convection, all four of the ways that we lose heat or gain heat when we need it and so evaporation is that process where water is going to evaporate from our body so if we can get that moisture off our body that's going to help radiation is where we accept heat from a fire or something that might be a heater that's an are you going to get into hand warmers yes it's on okay. the list on the i'll leave that out of the list because i was thinking that was later on but you, you can use radiant heat like that conduction is what we've been talking so much about and convection 
is you've got to set yourself up so wind doesn't pull the heat away from your body. That's where setting up your tarp properly, and we're going to get into some location here in just a minute on all that. But that just understanding those four principles of heat and heat loss in particular is going to be vital to setting up whatever setup that you've got. You know, even if you, let's say you have a, a zero degree sleeping bag, high dollar one, and if you were laying on the ground or even in your hammock, your body weight is going to compress that down to, you know, virtually zero. Mm-hmm. So you don't have any type of air pad between you and the either the wind or the ground. And the ground will absolutely pull the heat out of you uh, just so fast it'll scare you. Yeah, I think the pad uh, the pad is incredibly important. And I'll echo Craig again. If you got money, I I would really consider that pad before I would consider that sleeping sleeping bag. Hey, let me throw something in there because I just you saying that made me think of something. A lot of the folks that listen to us are interested in survival methodology and stuff like that. And there's a large range of different reflective blankets. Matter of fact, look in the description below. Titan Survival is one of our new sponsors. That's pretty cool. Uh, They have uh, several different reflective blankets. Some of them are colored to help it use in signaling as well. So they're fantastic. But you don't want to take one of those reflective mylar blankets and lay it directly on the earth and lay on top of it and think that's going to keep the body heat on you because it's not. The science of it is the conduction factor there. If your body is laying on that piece of blanket and it's directly uh, on top of the earth, then you're still going to conduct body heat away from yourself. So you want to utilize something that is, again, an insulating layer away from that cold earth. Then if you want to use that reflective blanket, put it on top of that pad or something of that nature, that way it's going to reflect heat back to you because the conduction, the heat conduction that's happening is happening at the base layer against the ground. Is that cover pad? Yeah, man. I think it's it. So next topic is, as in real estate, location, location, location. (laughs) And I think a lot of people don't get into this in your pre-planning, but you take a windy night. Finding a location to set up camp that will knock that wind either down or off of you is incredibly important. Yeah, man, absolutely. It's it's vital. Uh, in survival class, Tracy and I will teach uh, look up, look down, look left, and look right whenever you set up. You know, most people know, hey, you look up because you don't want to get hit by widowmakers or something of that nature. You look down to keep yourself from getting on toxic plants. You look left and right. And it's just a a quick way that we teach people to make sure you're paying attention to where the sun's coming up and where the winds are blowing. You're looking left and right for those kind of directional things that are important to verify that, hey, I'm going to be out of the wind. That is incredibly, incredibly vital. It is. And then going back to that pre-planning, if you understand your contour lines and you can pre-plan your hiking, if you're on a uh, sleeping in a tent, then you need to find that somewhat level ground to set up camp. So being able to find level ground and something that will give you a break from the elements would be fantastic. Not so much in a um, for the hammock camping, but for tent camping, understand those contour lines and be able to find that flat ground would be incredible. Another issue about finding a good location is position your tent or your opening or your uh, your campsite so that it will receive that sunlight early in the morning kicking out of that sleeping bag is cold and having that sunshine hit you is just the greatest feeling ever man i i keep going back because i've just had this experience in the last few days but same thing when it comes to hunting you know there this the place that i hunt i I hunt in a tree stand and the location i'm in is good because it's shaded for up until about 10 o'clock in the morning and it's good for, because the deer like it because it's there's a lot of shadows down there. But man, oh man, when because I went to the tree stand this weekend at 23 degrees, mm-hmm. it's a long time until 10 a.m. when you get in that stand at 6.30 in the morning. And it's cold. But when that sun hits me in the chest, man, it's just amazing how much it warms you up. And it, it physically warms you, and it's definitely an emotional morale boost, without a doubt. That's, that's important. Oh, yeah, definitely. I was noticing it today. I had to stop in and pick up a few items at a local store down here. And the vehicle that was sitting out in the sun 
was melting the the snow. Mm-hmm. We we've got about an inch of snow uh, last couple of days, but the vehicle that was parked around the side of the building that hadn't received the morning sun was still one hundred percent covered. Right. Temp- temperature is the same, obviously, mm-hmm. but that sunlight just makes a world of difference. So. Uh, another thing that uh, we could do is if you're in a position where you can't make a break is if, if you have an extra tarp and uh, set that up as a windbreak. We went, we being my family a few years ago, probably about 10 years ago now, we were down in Tennessee uh, horse riding, camping. And it came, it was very cold and the wind was howling. I'm talking about a constant 15 mile an hour. It was just miserable. So we got the... Um, the owners of the campground and they had a little pavilion there. We asked them if we could put our tents up underneath that pavilion. And then we took our tarps and basically boxed it in uh, and knocked that wind off. And it made the greatest difference ever was. So carrying a little lightweight tarp to be able to set up as a windbreak is, is not a bad idea. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey guys and gals, a quick break in our episode to talk about a game changer in outdoor cooking, the Fire Maple Backpacking and Camping Stove System. Whether you're hiking, fishing, or even prepping for emergencies, this portable pot and jet burner is a must-have in your gear. Best part? It's nearly half the price of a comparable jet boil stove system. Thanks to its leading heat exchange technology, you'll experience reduced boiling times by up to 30% compared to traditional stoves, even in windy conditions. That means more time enjoying the outdoors and less time cooking. Are you ready to upgrade your outdoor cooking game? Click the link in the description now to grab yours. Trust me, your outdoor adventures will never be the same. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think it's important too that when you get set up, whether it's hammock, tent, or survival scenario, whatever it might be, all you have is a tarp and some leaves that you lay down so you can get yourself insulated from the ground, is well before you go to sleep and not in the night, make sure that you're checking that setup to make sure it's comfortable as it can be. Because you don't want to be in the middle of adjusting everything in the middle of the dark when you don't have light, or maybe you fumble around trying to find your hand lamp or something of that nature. And the, when you get up and you move around and get out of that sleeping bag, you've wasted a lot of heat. You're going to release that heat, and at that point, you've got to gain it back. So your body's going to have to start working overtime again. And when that happens, then you start to, when your body starts to work overtime, you have a more likelihood of getting damp and when you get damp you're more likely to get cold and it's just a you know it's just a vicious circle that you get yourself in so get everything settled as best you can before you get in and that way you're good to go when you get in there yeah the you know years ago before the hammocks come around we always slept on the ground and how many times have you laid down on the ground and think oh yeah that feels pretty good then you lay down for good and about 45 minutes you start feeling that rock or that (laughs) stick underneath of you know i've done that several times you know hard lesson learned and even in hammock i remember one time uh, i'd set it up get into it and lay in it make sure it's all set good and i thought yeah that feels pretty good but then late as the night went on my head was below my feet not by much but just a few inches Mm. and i had to get out and i just took my sleeping arrangements and just flipped it so that my head was slightly above yeah testing it out is important so well i think that covers location the next topic is eating properly Supplying your body with proper calories. How can calories help our bodies function? Well, a big one is your body is working to process food. It will increase your internal body temperature. One thing that is a strategy that I've used with great success, it, it couple, coupling what I'm getting ready to tell you with being hydrated has made all the difference in the world for me. Sitting in a deer stand when it's 20 degrees and sleeping in a hammock when it's I mean, I've slept out in that hammock when it's eight degrees and that is eating a a small bit of protein right before you go to bed. And if possible, make it meat protein because it will take your body longer to digest that food. And when your body is digesting that food, it doesn't overheat you, but it does increase your body temp slightly as uh, it, it has to, to digest the food properly, which will help you keep warmer. So that keeps your metabolism going? Right. Is that, is that it? Okay. Yeah. 
if if I fix a dinner and it's got a protein with it, I will keep a small little bite or two of it, and I'll eat that right before I go to bed. I mean, if so, if we eat dinner at seven and we all don't, we hang around a campfire and go to bed at ten. I will eat that bite right before I go to bed at ten. And I got well, that one from our good buddy Doctor Ron Zeronis. I mean, he was he was one to help me, with, and it's good for weight loss too. Because your body's burning more calories. It, it's burning calories even while it's sleeping. So the same principle as grazing through the day. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hey, you. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you. You like this podcast, don't you? And you're thinking about doing a podcast yourself. Let me tell you how easy it is to do this with Anchor. First off, the money's right. It's free. Zero cost. Secondly... There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Bonus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right. So the next topic is go pee at night. Don't hold it. Anytime you get that sensation that you have to pee, just go ahead and um, what's a good word to say? Um, Don't hold it. Go flow it. Get it over with. (laughs) I've had it. If you spent more than two nights out camping, 3 a.m. is the time that everyone gets up and goes pee. I've done it. I've sat there and just gosh, I don't want to break this seal on this sleeping bag and just go back to sleep, go back to sleep, go back to sleep. And I waste 30 minutes. Then I get up and go pee and go back and come back to the sleeping bag and go back to bed. Now, Craig, one thing about sleeping in a hammock, and I learned this from you, getting in and out of that hammock is a little more difficult for me anyway than getting in and out of a tent. So what do you do to combat sleeping in a hammock and having to pee? Well, I do a couple things. One is that you can take a bottle in there, you, and you can take a bottle into a tent that you can pee into. Although some people find it really awkward and don't want to take the risk of if peeing into the bottle and then spilling the contents into your sleeping bag, and I get that. The other thing is I have a Hennessy hammock with a bottom open. So for me, I just put my feet down, stand up, shuffle a couple of steps away from the hammock and pee, and then shuffle back and lay back down and that's the benefit of having a bottom opening hammock not saying that's for everybody because it's not that's for sure but that's the couple things that i do and i am the absolute world's worst of laying in there in miserable i've got a piece of bad i can't stand it but i'm gonna stay in the sleeping bag man it's we talk about it every time we talk about the subject The best thing to do is just get up and do it now. As soon as you have it, just do it. Just and set it. and set your hammock up in such a way that if if you do, well, maybe not if you do, when you do, when you have to get up and go pee, that you have your boots there to throw on and something dry to step on and that kind of stuff whenever you come back in. Having to get up and have everything wet or something like that and have to go pee is awful or search for your boots. That just adds to the misery. So that's a tough one. I deal with it almost every time I go. Gosh, I don't want to get up. Uh, next one. Go to bed with a hot water bottle. Have you ever done that? Yeah. Oh, Have yeah. You? Yeah. You used to do that all the time. It's real easy to just warm something up by the fire at night and then take it to bed with you. We mentioned earlier that you are the only heater that you're taking around with you. But if you've got that, then you're not the only heater you're taking around with you. You're taking that actually into the tent with, I mean, into the sleeping bag with you, and it'll help keep you warm. So what have you done? You've taken like a... Uh, heat up some water and put it in your water bottle and throw it into mm-hmm. your sleeping bag? I actually take a water bottle and sit it not directly in the fire, but next to the fire and let it warm everything up. And I have been known to stick that inside of a sock so the metal portion doesn't burn me. Mm-hmm. And you just put that in my sleeping bag. I have to admit, I've never done that. And I think I think it's because of the advent of these little hot pockets, mm-hmm. yeah. know, which is basically the same thing. But I remember whenever I was doing this uh, list, I remember my dad telling stories of the having the old bedpan or the old uh, warming pans. Mm-hmm. Whenever mm-hmm. he was a kid, uh, they'd warm it up on the stove, and his mother, my grandmother, would uh, warm the bed up for the kids before they went to bed, and they'd jump in. It'd be a warm bed. It was such a condition back then. Of course, around here, everybody was dirt poor. 
when he, a lot of times in the wintertime, when he would wake up, he would have to take the covers and kind of shake the snow off of them almost because mm-hmm. they had cracks in the windows and doors and everything back then. But uh, taking something and warming that bed up has been around for years. Yeah, man. There, there. When I first started deer hunting with my dad bow hunting, I was probably 12, 13 years old, thereabouts. We used to go to a farm up in Owen County, Kentucky, and man, it was cold. I remember just putting dad putting so many blankets on the bed it was just insane we just slept in the back of the truck we had a couple of pieces of a pad we didn't have sleeping pads and camp pads and all. we just had a couple of pieces of foam that we foam laid rubber. on mm-hmm. and he would he would do something like that and i can't remember exactly what he had but we would warm water up on the coleman stove on the back of the truck on the tailgate and then he would put that in the bed with me i don't know if he did it for himself or not but he would put that in the bed with me and it would keep me warm and I still don't know what that was that he did. It was some sort of little bag or something. He was talking about um, foam and stuff. My dad, for years, uh, I'm, I'm talking about probably 30, 34, 5 years, he ran an auto body repair shop. So our sleeping pad back then was just the foam out of a, uh, out of a vehicle car seat. Strip that open and have that foam, and that's what nice. we slept on at night. So. Make do, with, make do with what you got. And then you, yeah, no joke. Yeah. Uh, let's skip down to the bottom here since we mentioned it, and hand warmers. I carry these all the time. Man, it's one of those things that your purists that are backpackers probably wouldn't carry them because they're ultralighters or something like that. But I can, uh, if I'm, I haven't done anything like that in a long time, so I don't really subscribe to that mindset. Dude, I'm taking as many of those as I can carry with me. I love those things. I do too. I carry them all the time on search and rescues. You're out there, you know, in the middle of the night and at 12 degrees or zero degrees like it was last year. Uh, there's nothing like breaking those open and sticking your hands down on them, getting warmed back up. So I'm a big proponent. And one thing I do in sleeping bag is uh, I mentioned earlier, you know, my feet stay cold. So I, I'll take one, throw down at my feet. And then I usually take one and put somewhere around my lower back or my waist or something like that to help keep, or even on my chest, something to help keep my core section of my body warm. I do the same thing. Uh, typically, what I do inside of my bag or whatever, I have an, I have an old REI power fleece vest that I've had for 25 years, I think. And that thing is, man, it's been a lifesaver. And I will put a couple of hand warmers in the pockets and I will wear basically my underwear and that vest into the sleeping bag. A lot of times when it's, if it's exceptionally cold, that's how my, that's my setup. And those little hand warmers with my hands stuck down in the pockets and I lay down the bag and I'll wake up the next morning. Toasty, man. Toasty. Yeah, they make a difference. Big difference. Yeah. Oh, and, they, huge, and they come in different sizes now. You know, you can get a pretty good size pad to put in there with you. A Let me tell heat. you, man. Those I had the body warmers with me and yeah, on the deer yeah. stand this past weekend. Yeah. And I mean, I went to the deer stand. I had, you know, people were talking about how much clothes they had on and, and I made a, okay, this is Craig Cottle. I'm, I'm a woods ninja. I'm really good at everything. Well, here's what I forgot. I forgot to take my long underwear pants. Oh my. <laughs> and I, I, well, I packed them. And then when I pulled them out of my bag to put them on, it was actually my long underwear shirt because it all looks the same. And so I didn't have that. All I had was a pair of, you know, basically true spec BDU pants. And then super smart Craig Cottle, who never makes mistakes, forgot to take my pad to sit on, on my metal deer stand. And so I'm thinking, I'm going to have to dress as smart as I've dressed in a long time because I'm getting ready to sit on the deer stand for about 10 hours, right? Whenever you go in the morning, you stay until... That evening late, don't you? Yeah, dude, I don't yeah, come out, man. Yeah. I, I love the woods too much. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, this, this, okay, this is a level of suck that I haven't experienced in a while. <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> Craig really made some bad mistakes on this one. But, I mean, what I ended up doing is I had an extra jacket in case somebody else needed it. I just filled that up and sat on it when I got in the deer stand, which is another thing we talked about earlier. I loosened all my clothing up around me, uh, a big one for your legs in particular is your belt. If your pants and belt are tight, your blood cannot flow, especially when you sit down. So I spent most of the day just standing in my tree stand, literally instead of sitting there. So that helps my legs get blood flow like they're supposed to. And I kept my belt not so loose that they were falling off, 
but loose enough that my blood could flow properly. And that way, you know, same, same concept as getting in the bag with loose clothing on it. It just works a lot better. Sure. So how was the day? Did you stay warm? Dude, I went in there and just for you and for everybody listening, thank you for asking me. I went in there with no long underwear pants on. I had a long underwear shirt, one of the light whoopee uh, made by Kit Fox Outfitters jackets, which is basically a, an incredibly light insulated jacket and a camouflage overshirt, 23 degree weather and stayed warm. Two hand warmer pockets in my, in my, uh, in my jacket. And I, I didn't wear gloves the whole weekend. Didn't have gloves on the whole time. Uh, I did have a toboggan on, you know, what I call a toboggan, a, a beanie a hat. Beanie, yeah. Stayed warm the whole time, man. It just blew my mind. Uh, it was just because I, I dress smart and I've learned a lot of lessons there. So, yeah. Well, uh, just a couple little odd uh, listings here. Two more to go. One I've listed says, uh, understand the weather conditions. Get this before you head out. What? Yes, pre-planned. No way. <laughs> Two days ago. I Preach think, it, brother. Yeah, Preach I think, it. I think you just mentioned this at the start. Two days ago, it was 64 degrees. I was out in my backyard putting firewood on the back porch. The next day, the high was, I put in notes 33, but actually I think it was 31. So it went from 64 to 31. That's tough. If you don't pre, uh, pre-plan and look out through there, see what the weather's going to do, uh, don't just check the temperature. You can go into these apps and check um, estimated wind and all that kind of stuff. So pre-plan, pre-plan, and pre-plan. Absolutely. It's it's crazy when people don't check the weather before they go out. Uh, so many bad things have happened just because people didn't look at the leather, weather. And there's no excuse for that anymore with apps and stuff of that nature. Yeah, it's just too easy to do. Well, the last one, Craig, we'll do this and then we'll kind of wrap everything up. Uh, this does not pertain to me at all. Because I'm claustrophobic, I will never put my head, I will freeze to death and just go ahead and bury me before I get down in that mummy bag. Oh, I said mummy bag. I can't, I cannot sleep in a mummy, mummy bag. That's one reason why I have that cheap sleeping bag is because it's so wide. Uh, do not breathe into your bag. What say you on that? Because I cannot talk about that. Well... Number one, don't breathe into your bag. <laughs> I would agree 100% for you. There's a reason that even the, the, like military sleep systems that are made for well below zero and stuff of that nature, they have a breathing hole so that you don't breathe in your bag. Cause if, if you're not familiar with it, you're just putting off a tremendous amount of moisture when you breathe. And so if you're inside your bag, which I've been guilty of at times, a lot smarter than that. Now, the more you breathe in the bag, the more moisture you're putting in the bag, which is going to conduct heat away from your body, which makes your body work more. And on and on and on and on. It's just a vicious cycle again. So no, you don't need to be breathing into no bag. That's, that's bad news. I set up a hammock one time, one trip, and it was really, really cold. And I didn't have the gear that I needed to fancy that. I never do mistakes like that. I set up a, a poncho inside the hammock so that there was a complete moisture barrier away from me. Cause the, the tarp that had on the outside of the hammock was not working too well. And I woke up and everything inside my sleeping bag or inside the hammock was soaking wet just from my breath because there was no place for it to go. Was that in Louisiana? Yes. I was yes, soaking wet down that. there in that class, man. Soaking wet. And it wasn't, I mean, there was some rain, but I, the top of my sleeping bag did not get wet from the rain. The top of my sleeping bag was soaked from me breathing on it all night long. Bad news. And if you're breathing in your bag, you're doing that inside the bag. That's not cool. Yeah, I remember that. You wouldn't think of that big an area, though, or I wouldn't anyway. That big of an area of a hammock, it would make that big of a difference. But I guess over a course of a night, it does. But a lot of things, I'll make a lot of mistakes, but breathing into my bag will never be one of them. <laughs> no joke. I know that about you. I do know that. <laughs> I'll never do that. Uh, anything else? Anything else that works our way through the list, Craig? I can't think of anything. I think we've hit a, a little bit of everything, which is a, this has been a great list, man. Thanks for putting this together. This is good. You can tell this has got a lot of experience, a lot of mistakes made oh, in this gosh. list. <laughs> yeah, I man. Think, yeah, I think that does it. Um, yeah, this has been good. Yeah. You want to close this out then? Yeah, guys and gals, don't forget to check out the description below. There's going to be links there for those that are sponsoring our podcast, those that are supporting the podcast. 
So check those out. Please, please frequent their businesses. They're online. There's all kinds of links there. And hey, we had our very first, uh, what's it called, Tracy? Or um, somebody gave us money on Anchor. What oh, is the, it? The monthly support. Yeah, monthly support last week. Yes, Robert, we did. thank you so much for that. Absolutely. That was absolutely fantastic. That just made my day. We did look down, look down through there and see someone um, uh, supporting you like that. We greatly appreciate that. So if you want to get in on that action, then you can get on Anchor and support, be a monthly supporter right there. We've got all kinds of really cool and interesting things that are coming up. And as you can tell, we're getting back in the action of doing this more regular. The more uh, opportunities we get to to get sponsored and take care of what it is that we're doing, the more podcasts we're going to put out. That's how it works. So, yeah, thank you to all of our sponsors. Check them out below. Thanks for our monthly subscriber, uh, Robert. And I hope you're not the last one in the near future. And thank you very much for that. As always at Nature Reliance Media and Nature Reliance School, come on, join in. Let's learn together. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Nature Reliance Media Podcast. We will do all we can to make this a great podcast, but we need your help. There are three simple and free ways you can help us out. Number one, subscribe. Number two, give us a great review. Five stars is great, but where it's optional, please add a sentence or two as well. And number three, share this podcast with your friends and family. We want this to be a mutually supportive community of listeners. Let us know what content you want to hear. If we can talk about it with experience, we will. And if we can't, we will find someone who can and interview them. Don't forget to look in the description below for links that we mentioned during the show. And that wraps up another fantastic episode of the Nature Reliance Podcast. I hope today's journey has inspired you to explore and connect with the natural world in new and exciting ways. Before I say goodbye, remember to check out the Nature Reliance School online membership. If today's episode sparked your interest in wilderness skills and outdoor adventures, this online community is the perfect place for you to start or continue your journey. You can currently sign up for a year for only $99 and get two months for free. Click the link below to discover a world of expert-led courses, engaging content, and a vibrant community eager to share their knowledge and experiences. Whether you're starting your outdoor journey or looking to deepen your existing skills, the Nature Reliance School online membership is here to guide you. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe for more adventures and share this podcast with your fellow nature enthusiasts. Until next time, come on, join in. Let's learn together.